Bibles, if you will, this morning and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to get really serious here in just a few minutes, but before I do, let me be a little humorous, all right? And uh, some of you have heard this, I bet, said there was a lady who lived by herself, and one day she came home and found her house was, uh, as, uh, was been rob- has been robbed, and the robber was still there. Well, this lady was very well-versed in the Bible. And so she shouted at the robber, Acts 2.38. That's the Bible verse that says, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Well, the robber stopped dead in his tracks. He sat calmly and waited while the lady called the police. The police arrived and proceeded to arrest the robber. The policeman noted that the robber was somewhat of a burly guy and the lady was a small, petite thing. Well, this intrigued the policeman so much that he finally asked the robber, why didn't you just run or something? She's so, so much smaller than you. All she did was yell a Bible verse at you. The robber looked up at the policeman with a, loud, a look of shock. A Bible verse? What? The policeman says, yeah, a Bible verse. The robber just can't believe this and tells the policeman, I thought she said she had an ax in 238s. And so, <laughs> amen. Well, let's all stand this morning, if you will, please. Second Corinthians chapter 6 in your Bibles, and we're going to start in verse number 1, read down through verse number 10 this morning. We then as workers together with him, well, I, got a, I think a message is going to come out of that first verse. I, that, what, a, what, a, what a thought. We then as workers together with him. Did you, did you know that you are a co-worker with Jesus Christ? Go back and read the preceding chapter. And that's what Paul is talking about uh, because of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're workers together with him. We then as workers together with him beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Giving no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes and imprisonments, in tumults and labors, in watchings and fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love and fame, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well-known, as dying and behold we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing and yet possessing all things. I just enjoyed that chapter, and I wanted to read those first 10 verses, but I want to draw your attention back to verse number 2. The Bible says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And you may be seated this morning. And I want to talk to you just a little bit about that subject, the day of salvation. 
And, and so this is not going to be a long message. I'm not going to keep you long this morning, but I want you to really, really hear me out. I want all of our young people to really give me a good hearing this morning, and, and I hope the Lord will use the message to be a blessing in your life. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord to help us, and we'll dive right into the Bible study this morning. Father, it's so good to be back in church again today. And God, we thank you for a great week of ministry. Thank you for all that's been done. And now, Lord, as we take just a few moments as we close this, this service out on this Sunday morning and we take a few minutes to, to dig into the Word of God, I pray now, Heavenly Father, that you would give us, uh, Lord, give us a heart of understanding. Help our minds to be able to comprehend what you have for us today. And I believe you've got something for us. And so, Father, I pray now for a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that I would be that, that minister that we just read about a, a moment ago in chapter 6. God, I pray that I would be that minister that you want me to be today, one that might be able to glorify the Lord, one that might be able to, to edify the church. Uh, or at least, Lord, I pray that I would be that minister that you could flow through. And I pray that you would do your work today. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would especially work in the hearts of those that do not know their eternal destiny. God, they're not absolutely positive of where they're going to live for eternity. And God, today I pray that you would especially do a work in their heart and life. This message is not only for the lost, it's for the saved as well, but I do pray you do a special work in the heart of those that are lost today. We pray that you'd bless, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Paul said, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and the day of salvation have I succored thee. That word succored there means uh, I, I've, just, I've cared for thee. That's what he talks about. I've loved you. I've cared about you. I've showed concern for you. And he said, I did that. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you study this passage out in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is actually referring to an Old Testament passage in Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 8. I'll not have you go there because I want to draw your attention back here in just a moment. But Paul or Isaiah said in Isaiah 49, 8, Thus saith the Lord, In an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritages. And then when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, quotes that verse again or reverts back to that verse in Isaiah 49 and verse number 8. Now, if you study that out, God is speaking to his people, Israel. And he says to Israel, and this is wonderful, he says to Israel, in an acceptable time, he said, Israel, I heard you. And he said, in the day of salvation, he said, I, I gave you a day of salvation. And in that day of salvation, he said, I helped you. I love this. In other words, what the Lord was saying to his people of Israel was this. There was a time when I extended to you a season of grace. He said, you weren't where you were supposed to be. You weren't doing what you were supposed to be doing. You weren't always living a life that pleased me or that was acceptable in my sight. But the Lord said, I extended to you a season of grace. No, you didn't deserve it. But I extended that season of grace to you. Now, this is what Paul is saying. 
In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, when we fast forward to this passage we read this morning, Paul is saying this, we are now living in that season of grace. Now don't miss this because this is so important. We're living in that season of grace or if you will, we're living in that day of salvation. That's why the apostle Paul says in the latter part of the verse, behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. The Bible has so much to say about a day. Hebrews chapter three, verse seven says, wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith today, if you will hear his voice. Hebrews chapter four, verse number seven, again, he limiteth a certain day, saying in David, today, after so long a time as it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Psalm 118 and verse number 24, this is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Second Peter chapter three and verse number eight, but beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Now, I, want to, I, want to, I just want you to understand something this morning, that when the apostle Paul gave us this in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, the words of the Lord, if you will, the Lord did not say this is the week of salvation, Amen. nor did he say this is the month or the year of salvation, but rather he said this is the day of salvation. In other words, the Lord has extended a limited season of grace. It's not going to go on forever. We don't know when it's going to end. And, and Paul says we're living in that season of grace, a day, the day of salvation. Now you think about that, a day. A day is really a very short amount of time. Scientists would tell us that a day is the period of time during which the earth completes one rotation around its axis. How about this? A day is 24 hours, or a day is 1,440 minutes. I will tell you this, young people, the older you get, the faster they go. Amen. I mean, a day, when I was a kid, a day seemed like an eternity, but now it seems like a day is 10 minutes long. I mean, they just literally, they just literally fly by. We look back now and we think, man, how in the world can we be at Calvary almost 28 years? I mean, it's it just like, I mean, like a flash. How in the world can my wife and I have been married over 33 years? It don't even make any sense. How in the world can we have kids that, that are grown and married and, and now we're working on our seventh grandbaby and, and I'm thinking, man, what in the world is going on? Tell you what, time flies, brother. And it does. Time flies when you're having fun, and we're having fun. Amen. But it flies. Listen, time flies. Now, this is my point. A day is a very short amount of time. If the doctor came to you and said, Sir, I'm sorry to tell you this, you have one year to live. Now, that's devastating. That's, that's traumatic. If the doctor came and said, I'm sorry to tell you, ma'am, you have six months to live. That's serious. But if the doctor comes to you and says, you have one day, you have one day left. You know what? Man, that'd be, I mean, that's mind-blowing. Because a day is a very short time. Now, I want to say several things about this subject of the day. How about this? Number one, it's easy to waste 
a day. I, now, this is just my habit. I like to do this in the uh, for, very first thing in the day. I like to try to uh, spend some time with the Lord. And some of you do it in the evening and different, and, that, and that's fine. There's no, not a, a certain rule or a certain standard. I just find that if I don't do, if I don't spend time with the Lord early in the day, sometimes my day is gone and I'll find myself late in the day not having spent time with God. And so because of that, I try to make sure that, that I spend time early in the day with the Lord and my Bible and in prayer. But also my habit is this. In the early part of the day, uh, I like to schedule out my day and plan my day. And so uh, I, I'm thinking of all the things that I need to get done. And so uh, one of the very first things that I'll do during the day is I'll make myself a list. Now, I used to make it on a three-by-five card for the house. Uh, well, they preached that into our head when we were in college. Carry those three-by-five cards around. And, I, and so I, I would make my list out on a three-by-five card, but then I would leave my three-by-five card laying somewhere. And so uh, now I've got this little list maker on my phone, and so I just, I, and I've got my phone with me all the time, and, and I'm constantly looking at that list. And I said that say this. If I fail to schedule, you know what happens? Sometimes I'll end up wasting the day. I'll get, to, I'll get to the end of the day and I fail to complete the most important things that I should have gotten completed. Now, I said that to say this. I wonder how many people will waste away their day of salvation. I wonder. A day is a very short amount of time. I wonder how many people are going to one of these days get into eternity and say, boy, I meant to get saved. I meant to give my heart to Christ. Someone said that good intentions pave the way to failure. And one of these days when the Lord comes, there's going to be people that are going to stand before Christ and they're going to say, Lord, I meant to get saved. I knew I was going to do it one of these days, but they never quite got around to it. Someone said that procrastination is the greatest argument that the enemy ever devised. I know the story that I've told some around here at Calvary Baptist Church through the years. There's a, a fictitious story that the devil and his demons got together one day and they had a board meeting. And, uh, and the devil called all of his imps and his demons and his devils around him and he said, now, fellas, he said, let me tell you the purpose of this meeting. He said, we want to figure out the best way to damn as many souls to hell as we can. And so uh, all the demons came around and, and, uh, and Satan said, does anybody have any ideas? And so one of the demons spoke up and he said, I've got an idea, Satan. He said, I'll go down there to the earth and he said, I'll tell, I'll tell those Christians that it's all just make-believe. It's all false. The Bible's not true. Jesus really wasn't the son of God. Heaven's just a fable. There is no hell. I'll tell them that it's all just made up. It's just a, uh, you know what, it's just a, it's really, uh, there's nothing true about it. Well, the devil thought about that a little bit and he thought, well, you know what, that, that may work. And about that time, another devil spoke up and he said, I've got, a, I've got an idea. He said, I'll go down there and I'll tell them that those preachers are, are nothing but a bunch of, uh, they're just a bunch of false prophets. And uh, all they're after is money. And they, that's all they care about. And, and uh, all they care about is playing golf. And all they care about is pleasure. And, and, uh, and they're just lying to those people. And those messages they preach, well, that's just a bunch of made up, uh, you know, mumbo jumbo. And, uh, and I'm going to tell them that, 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 that all those preachers and pastors and evangelists are, are really just telling a bunch of lies that it's really not true at all. And Satan thought, okay, that might work. 
And one other demon stepped up and said, Satan, I've got an idea. He said, what's your idea? He said, I'm going to go down there to that church and he said, I'm going to tell those Christians it's all true. I'm going to tell them that that preacher's telling the truth. I'm going to tell them that that evangelist is telling the truth. Boy, Satan's about to get irate. He said, wait a minute, before you blow your top, wait a minute. He said, I'm going to tell them that the Bible is true. I'm going to tell them that the Bible is the word of God. I'm going to tell them there is a heaven and there is a hell. And I'm even going to tell them that they need to get saved. And about that time, Satan was about to come unglued when that demon said this. But he said, I'm going to tell them they've got plenty of time. You need to get saved. You want to go to heaven, but don't do it today. You've got plenty of time to think about it and to to ponder on it and and don't do it today. My dear friend, did you know there's going to be a lot of people in hell one day because they procrastinated. The Spirit of God dealt with their heart. God dealt with their heart, but they waited and waited and waited and they said, next week I'm going to do it and next service I'm going to do it and next Sunday I'm going to do it. And they waited one day too late and that season of grace disappeared. Those people are in hell. Dr. J. Harold Smith, great, great preacher of the past, used to listen to Dr. Smith preach. And Dr. Smith used to preach a message called God's Three Deadlines. And Dr. Smith told the story. He was preaching in a meeting. And, uh, and there was a tremendous spirit of conviction in this meeting. And it was evident that God was dealing with hearts. He said that on the very back row, there was a, a, a dad and a mom and a, and a daughter. I think the daughter was about... 15 years old or so. And he said it was evident this young lady was under conviction. Tears streaming down her cheeks and folks had flooded the altar that night to get saved. And he said, he said I could sort of tell what was going on in the back. He said, I could see the mama sort of lean over and whisper and say, honey, I'll go with you. I'll go with you. You don't have to be afraid. I'll go with you. And that daughter said, not today, mom. Not today. That dad came over and put his arm around his little girl's Shoulder, and he said, honey, if you want to go up there and get saved, he said, go. He said, we're, man, we're praying for you. We're rooting for you. We want you to come to Christ. Oh, we want you to get saved. And she said, no, not today, not today. Dr. Smith said he, he hardly ever, ever did this, but he said he just felt impressed of the Holy Spirit. And he said he left the platform and walked to the back. And he said to that young lady, he said, young lady, it's evident God's dealing with your heart. He said, wouldn't you like to come to Christ? She held on to that pew and she said, not today, not today. Her knuckles were white because she was holding on to that pew so uh, so hard. And she said, not today. I'm not going to do it today. And uh, nobody could convince her to come. That service ended and that mom and and, and dad and, and daughter got in the car and they were on their way home and they had no idea how that night was about to unfold. As they were on their way home, there, were, uh, there was a truck filled with, some, with three guys and, and those men were drinking and, and the, the driver was intoxicated and he was going across the yellow line and here came this little innocent family. They were on their way home from revival and that truck crossed the line and hit that car head on. That car flipped several times and rolled down an embankment. Mom and dad somehow were ejected from the vehicle but they were, they were not hurt uh, terribly but the young lady was trapped in the back seat 
The, the, the roof of the car had been crushed down and the doors would not open and, and she could not get out. And so mom and dad, of course, ran down and, and, and the, the little girl said, Daddy, get me out. And he said, Honey, I'm trying, I'm trying. I, 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 I'm doing what I can, but he couldn't get the doors open. He couldn't get her out. Well, they didn't realize that in the course of the accident, the, the gas tank from the car had been ruptured and gas had spewed all over the roadside. Well, the drunk, and by the way, it seems like the drunks never get hurt. And the drunk got out and nervous, of course, because he caused the accident, took a cigarette out and put a cigarette in his mouth and lit a cigarette and threw the match on the road. When that match hit the gasoline, of course, it made a line all the way down to the car. The car became engulfed in flames. The young lady began to scream and she said, Daddy, get me out. Get me, get me out. And he said, Honey, I'm trying. And I mean, just did the best that he could to try to uh, just muster every bit of strength he could to get her, but he just could not get her out. And the, the fire, the flames were leaping up and the car was filling with smoke. And, and the young lady was saying, Daddy, get me out. Daddy, get me out. Daddy, get me out. And, and, and listen, he could not get her out. And finally he said, Honey, call on Jesus. Call on Jesus. Ask Jesus to save you. Ask Jesus to Savior and they could hear as that car became engulfed in flames and that young lady's life was taken they could hear in the back seat of the car saying it's too late, it's too late it's too late, oh I know this is serious preaching this morning but I'm telling you just as sure as I'm standing here one of these days there's going to be people in eternity that are going to say it's too late it's too late, it's too late hey Calvary you're living in a season of grace and whatever you do don't turn a deaf ear to the Holy spirit it's easy to waste a day how about this number two it's hard to forecast today not only is it easy to waste today it's hard to forecast today a day is uncertain a day can be quite unpredictable proverbs 27 1 says boast not thyself of tomorrow for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth James challenged us in James chapter 4, verse 13. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. And James said, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. The difference is, a day can make. You understand that Job got up one day the greatest man of the East? In fact, our Bible tells us about Job. He had 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels. He had 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, a very great household on one day. Are y'all listening? On the next day, he had nothing. He had nothing. He went from being the greatest man of the East on one day, and yet the very next day, everything changed. Did you know that you and I better live every single day like it's our last day? You say, wow, that's negative preaching. It's not negative, it's just realistic. 
Man, if you're here this morning and you're 16 years old, I hope you live to 96 or 106. I mean, praise God, that'd be great. But I'm just telling you, realistically, we don't know how much time we've got. And realistically, we think we'll be back next Sunday, but realistically, we don't know we'll be back next Sunday. In fact, we think we'll be back tonight, but realistically, we don't know that we'll be back tonight. And I'm just telling you, brother, the longer I live, the more I understand that life is fragile. Life is fragile, and it's unexpected. And what we better do is, man, we better grab a hold of the day that we're living in right now and say, hey, I'm gonna be thankful and grateful, and I'm gonna praise God, and I'm gonna love my family, and I'm gonna love my Christian family, and I'm gonna smile, and I'm going to have joy because you know what? I may not have tomorrow. Oh, yes. Hey, church, I wrote this down. If life changed tomorrow, would there be regrets? It's been a long, long time ago now. We had a family attending our church, new family, and they had a death in the family, and so... It was a Sunday night. You know, things developed that Sunday afternoon. The family came to me Sunday night. The church was a lot smaller then. Things were a little simpler then. And they said, preacher, they said, would you mind uh, leaving the service and would you go with us to the family's home uh, tonight after a Sunday night at church? I said, absolutely, we'd do that. And so this family didn't have a pastor and, and uh, the wife had been killed, tragically killed in a car accident. And so I said, yes, I'll go over. And, and so uh, I went with this church member, and we went over to this home and uh, didn't have a pastor. We just tried to minister to them and love them. And, uh, and so they said, you know, preacher, would you preach the funeral? They didn't know me. I didn't know them. But they didn't have, nobody else was really showing them any kind of pastoral. So they said, preacher, would you preach the funeral? I said, yes, I'll, I'll preach the funeral. Well, I didn't know the situation. I still preached the funeral. But I didn't know the situation until later. They began to tell me what the situation was. This lady was being unfaithful to her husband. She's cheating. By the way, Bible calls it adultery. Still adultery. Uh, you know, our society is trying to change all the terminology, but it's still adultery. And she was cheating on her husband. And while she was with her boyfriend that she was not married to, they were in a tragic car accident and both were killed. Ask you a question. How do you preach at a funeral? You know what you can preach in a funeral like? You just preach Jesus and lift up Jesus. That's all you can do. Try to be a blessing best you can. Now, wait a minute now. This is my point. That lady didn't know what was going to happen that day. She didn't know she, as she walked out that, that uh, door and, uh, and went off with that other man and uh, didn't think about her family and didn't think about anything. And she thought, you know what, everything's good and I'm footloose and fancy free and, and uh, we're going to do this again tomorrow. And the next day, she had no idea that that day was the very, oh yes, the very last day that she would ever breathe a breath on this earth. And I'm just telling you, brother, it is hard to forecast a day. And so because of that, we better make use of every day we've got. Young, young lady, you've heard the story. Young, I tell it in some youth meetings. Young lady and her mama, they were having some problems. And, uh, and they got in a terrible, terrible fuss one morning. And, and, uh, and before the young lady went off to school, and, and right before she walked out the door, man, she looked back at her mama and she said, Mama, I hope you die, and slammed the door. Walked out the door, got on the school bus. The school bus was making its rounds. And while that school bus was making it rounds, an ambulance came by with the lights flashing and the siren, siren going. And in the back of her mind, she thought, nah. 
She remembered those words, those last words she shared with her mother. I hope you die. She tried to put it out of her mind. They ran the bus route, got her to school. She went to her first period class, second period class. And all of a sudden, the, the principal came over the little intercom system there in the class, and he said, Mrs. So-and-so called the teacher's name. And she said, yes, sir. And he said, do you have a, do you have a, and he called the students, called the young lady's name in the class. Do you have so-and-so in your class? He said, she said, yes, sir, I do. He said, would you mind sending her to the office right away? Wait a minute. Back of her mind, she thought, no. Nah. She remembered those very last words she said to her mom, but she thought not. She came down to the principal's office, and the principal had a worried look on his face, and he said, young lady, sit down. And he said, well, I'm about to tell you, he's going to shock you. He said, I need to take you with me. And he said, we need to go down here to the, to the morgue's office. And he said, we need you to identify a body. There's been an accident. He took that young lady down there, and I don't know how many have ever been there. I've been there. It's a cold, it's not a happy place. And they took her back there, that medical examiner and that principal standing there and that young lady, and, and all of a sudden that medical examiner reached out and grabbed that big drawer, and he pulled that drawer out, and there was a body on that slab and had a sheet over it. They came over, got close to that young lady, about the time the medical examiner pulled that sheet back and he said, ma'am, he said, can you identify this body? And of course, that young lady just broke her mama, killed. And the last words she said to her mom were these, I hope you just die. I know this is very somber preaching this morning. But this is all I'm saying. Calvary, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Man, we don't, listen, we don't know. You know what, whatever we're going to do, we better do it now. Amen. You said, preacher, I've got somebody I've been needing to forgive for, for years. You know what you better do? You better do it today. Because you may not have tomorrow. You're here this morning and say, pastor, I've been needing to get saved for a long time. You better do it today because you may not have tomorrow. You're here this morning and say, preacher, I've been needing to rededicate my life for a long time. You better do it today. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the season of grace. But the season of grace may not be here tomorrow. How about this? Can I give you this last point? We're going to go to the house. Last of all, it's possible to bring back a day. Someone said, I have only just a minute. Just 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny, little, minute, but eternity is in it. My wife loves to look at old pictures. They're, they're on your phone now and your iPad and all that, but years ago, you'd have drawers full. Y'all remember the old Polaroids? Y'all remember that? And we'll get to cleaning out. We're supposed to be cleaning out. And, and all of a sudden, we'll get that picture drawer. And before you know it, we've spent an hour. Look at this. Look at this one. Look at this. Look how you look. You had hair. Look at that. Hey, look. And we'll get to looking at those old photos. And you can reminisce about old days. But did you know something? You can't bring back a day. Did you know that when Jesus comes... Many are going to wish they could bring back a day. I believe there's going to be some that are going to wish they could bring back that revival day. 
They were in a revival and, and, and God began to work in their heart and they got under conviction and they knew they should have responded but they, they didn't respond. And one of these days they're gonna say, oh, I wish I could bring that revival service back. I wish I could bring that Sunday morning service back where God spoke to my heart and I knew I should have gotten right and I knew I should have rededicated. I wish I could bring that day back. But I'm telling you, brother, it is impossible to bring back a day. What a serious thing it is to waste away your season of grace. His name was, was Colonel Johann Rahl, R-A-H-L. He was, he was the commander of the British troops in Trenton, New Jersey during the Revolutionary War. And Colonel Rawl was, was deep into a card game. And all of a sudden a courier came in out of breath and he handed, took, he took a, a note and he handed the note to Colonel Rawl and, the, and Colonel Rawl was somewhat to, uh, disgusted because he'd been interrupted in his card game. And, and he said, thank you. Took the note, stuck it in his pocket. Didn't think about it. He wanted to finish his card game. It wasn't until he finished his card game he remembered that courier and he reached in his pocket and he pulled that note out and it said something like this. General George Washington is crossing the Delaware as we speak. By the time Colonel Rawl could get his troops mustered, it was too late. And he lost his life. And many of his troops lost his life. And those who didn't lose their lives were taken into captivity. You know why? He waited. He waited. There's going to be a lot of people one of these days they are going to waste away their season of grace. If you're here this morning, that's what Paul was saying when he said today is the day of salvation. And it really is. Today's the day because we may not have tomorrow. If you're here this morning and there's a decision that you need to make, here's, here's the message. Make it today. Your decision could be the, mess, the, the decision of salvation. You're here this morning. You said, Preacher, I'm not saved. Today ought to be your day of salvation. Your decision could be uh, today ought to be the day of your rededication. You say, Pastor, I, I'm saved, but I've not been living according to the will of God. And, uh, and today I'm coming back to God. I'm going to rededicate my life to the Lord. It could be that this ought to be the day when you make a public profession. You've been saved, but you've not let others know about it. Maybe today you need to come and say, today's the day. I'm going to let everybody know that Christ is my Savior, and I'm not ashamed of Him. By the way, it could be 50 different things, but whatever you do, don't waste away your season of grace. Would you bow your heads with me? And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And I can't help but feel like right now the Lord of Lords is dealing in somebody's heart. You're here this morning, you say, Pastor, I'm getting ready to be honest. If I died today, I mean, if I, I hope I don't, but if, but if a, a heart attack came or a stroke came or a car accident, God forbid, but a car accident came. If this was my last day, Pastor, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. And I so want you to pray for me this morning. I wonder this morning, all over the house with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm not going to embarrass anyone this morning, but, but I would like to pray. And I wonder how many are here this morning you'd say, Pastor, 
would you remember me if I died? I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. I want you to pray for me. Right now, you slip your hand up. Say, Pastor, remember me. Remember me. God bless you. Amen. Yes. Thank you so much. Is there another? Pastor, if I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. Would you pray for me? Is there another like that anywhere? Would you raise it real high? I see that hand. I see that hand. Is there another? Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure. Young ladies, I see you. Are y'all serious? Serious about it? All right. I believe it. I believe it. If you're serious about it, you need to do something about it today, okay? I appreciate your honesty. Thank you very much. Is there another anywhere? Say, Pastor, if I died, I'm not sure about heaven. I want you to pray for me. Is there another anywhere? Can I pray for you right right quickly? All right, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's go a little further. I wonder if there may be one here today who would say, Pastor, I've been born again, but I really need to rededicate my life to Christ. Preacher, pray for me that I'll do what God would have me to do. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you just slip your hand up right now. Just slip it up and take it right back down. Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. God bless you. God bless you. Is there another anywhere? Pastor, that's me. I'm saved, but I really need to rededicate my life to Christ. You slip your hand up. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Father, thank you so much for this day, and I want to thank you for the message. I know it was a serious message, but God, I pray that you'll help us not to waste away our season of grace. Today is the day of salvation. Lord God, you've given us a window of opportunity. And Heavenly Father, I pray that we'll not miss that opportunity. Oh God, help us not to miss it. Father, I pray today that you'd help folks to come and help us to be able to take the Bible and and give them some help today, especially those that raised their hands and said that they need to be saved. Father, I pray that you'd help them to come in just a moment and get some help. Have thy way in this invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. And as the pianist plays, if you're here this morning and you have a need, the altar's open this morning. Pastor's gonna make his way to the main floor. If you raise your hand, said, Pastor, I am not saved. I need to be saved. Listen, I want you to come. We want to try to help you today. Would you come? While, we're going to pause just for a moment, and you come this morning while we wait.